Welcome to the NextGen Work Culture Podcast. I'm your host, Courtney Ross. I help leaders support working parents so that they can recruit and retain the best people. Join me as I interview experts and provide insights into the struggles that parents and caregivers face in the workplace. Learn how your business can become a place where parents feel included, supported, and valued. Being a family-friendly business isn't just a nice-to-have anymore. For the next generation and those that are raising them, it is critical. Today I'm talking with Erin Helly, who was a part of the armed forces when she had her first child, and since her and her husband were unfortunately put on deployment orders at about the same time, um, she felt like she was kind of forced into actually leaving the military. Hi, Erin. Thank you so much for coming on to Playgrounds and Paychecks with me today. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. I'm um, interested in hearing your story, but can you first tell us how old are your kiddos? Five and seven. Five and seven. So they're just two years apart like mine. That is a fun age gap. Um, I'd like to start with, can you tell me something right now that is like a great joy with them? Something you're really enjoying in this stage of life? Oh my gosh. I like, honestly, right now, I feel like we just got to the point of truly being able to enjoy them. Like it's more enjoyment than it is work. And it's awesome. And like just seeing their personalities play out and really figuring out what they're interested in has been awesome. Like they're, my kids are very different than my husband and I, my husband and I are like jocks and they're like creative artists. And it's just cool to see them like bloom or blossom into their own people. Um, and you know, give them the space to do that and enjoy the things that they like to do. Yeah, that's really awesome. My uh, daughter is almost two and she's really just starting to get that little creative side of personality. She likes to like sit at my desk with me in color and it's fun to see her developing that and yeah. um, getting their own little personality. So yeah, that's, I look forward to them like, you know, showing that even more as they get a little older. Yeah. It's so fun to see them become like people. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, so Erin, you were in the military when you had your first daughter, right? Yes, I was in the army. And what was that uh, parental leave like? Did you get a maternity leave when you were in the army? Yes, I actually got so lucky. My daughter was born in March of 2016. On the 21st of March, on the 1st of March, the army extended their maternity leave policy from six weeks to 12 weeks. And that's so great. I was, yeah, it was amazing. And I wasn't sure it was going to happen before she was born because, you know, policy and a bureaucratic organization takes time yeah. to change. But um, <clears throat> I saved up a bunch of my leave, which was good. I was, I was planning to take 10 weeks, mm-hmm. which, you know, pre first baby, I was like, that's a ton of time. It'll be great. Right. I, you know, couldn't have been more wrong, but I ended up having to take 13 weeks. So I had to use of one week of my own leave. And then I had to mm-hmm. have my mom come to Tennessee where I was living at the time to watch her for another week before we got childcare. So it was 14 weeks. So we got childcare. Um, but yeah, so I took 13 weeks off, but the army gave me 12 for free, which was amazing. Like literally doubled overnight. And then the men's at the time, the And that same month, they extended the paternity leave from 10 days to 14 days, and which is kind of a joke, but 
Since yeah, that's then, yeah. Since then, though, they have extended it to 12 weeks. So now men nice. in the military get 12 weeks of paternity leave. And I, I believe I'm not in anymore, so I don't know the ins and outs, but I believe they yeah. can take it up to the first year. Like they could take it in small increments or whatever. So it's they're definitely making major, major progress. And another huge thing that happened that same month that they extended the maternity leave was all kinds of rules that they implemented for lactating mothers. And Mm -hmm. they ensured that like units were providing space, water sources, all the things that women would need to pump at work and nothing like that had existed before. So it was really cool to see those changes made. Yeah, that's really nice. Uh, My husband got the 12 weeks of leave as well. It wasn't um, paid unless he took up like his, you know, bank leave, but it was nice to be able to kind of split that up and, yeah. Have him. He took over before we got childcare. So we didn't have to have mom come stay with us or anything. He split his leave and was able to, to take that yeah, uh, responsibility so on nice. for a while, which was really nice. Yeah. Especially because the childcare issue, you know, is, oh, gosh, so, yeah. is so rough right now. Like it's, this yeah. is so needed. Yeah. And I can't imagine being one of those people that only gets, um, you know, to take a couple of weeks off and then try to find childcare. Like you can't even get a two week old into any daycare facility. Um, I know. Yeah. I, know. I can't, I can't imagine being in that, in that position. <laughs> no, it's terrible. Me either. So you did get to breastfeed when you went back to work though, which is great. And they gave you the space to do that in. That's fabulous. Yeah. And you know, I was an officer, I was like a higher uh-huh. like a middle ranking officer. So I had a little bit more flexibility and definitely felt empowered to sort of advocate for myself. I'm not sure that like a private or like, you know, a new soldier would necessarily feel the same. And so that's why it's really like these policies only matter so much as like the command is willing to back them and like support them and, you know, needs of the army always comes first. And so even though they've like implemented all of these policies for paternity leave, like they're still deploying soldiers, like men are still missing the birth of their children. Men are still missing the whole first year. And so, you know, I think it's, the policy means some means something, but what's what matters so much more is how mostly the men that are in leadership, because you know it is yeah. mostly men. Um, there, more and more women are becoming leaders at higher ranks since we've been in the army for you know 30, 40 years now. And right. So it's it is getting better, but I honestly like I think because it was hard when they had babies, they kind of sometimes want it to be hard when their soldiers have babies. And so they don't necessarily like make the policy easy to implement. So it's interesting. Yeah. Yeah. That that's an interesting dynamic I wouldn't have um, considered. Yeah. (laughs) So yeah. Wow. Um, So you went back to work after what you said, 13 weeks, right? You were able to breastfeed and everything. And that was great. But then the military kind of threw a curveball at you from from what I understand. Yeah. So (laughs) took my 13 weeks, went back to work third day on the job. And I am like, like delirious. Like I'm so tired. I don't even know how I like got to work most days. I I would drive my daughter. It was like 35 minutes to Fort Campbell from my house. Mm -hmm. And then I would take her to daycare and then drive like a mile down the road to where I worked. And it was, you know, just complete chaos every single day. Yeah, I was like hardly surviving. My kiddo was the worst nighttime sleeper ever. Um, so 
it was, it was a tough time. And yeah, three days after returning to work, my boss, who I think this was the first day, like he and I were both in the office at the same time. I think he had been traveling the two prior days. So he pulled me into his office. He's like, he's the best boss I've ever had. Full bird colonel, been in the army for 20 plus years, family man. Um, mm-hmm. so he had two daughters of his own and he pulled me into the office and he said, um, you know, is that room, they basically like cleared out like a, an old office so I could pump, which they did not have to do the army policy yeah. and like said, you have to make space for women to pump was only if there were 50 or more women working in the building, 50 oh, wow. or more service members, like green suitors, you know, yeah. professionals. But I was only one of like four in this building. <clears throat> so they didn't have to wow. do that, but they did. They cleaned the whole office out and they were just really supportive, like everyone in my office. And he just had this very like adult conversation with me. And I think about like previous bosses that I had and there's no way they could say the word breastfeeding without like cackling because they're just, yeah. you know, so he, I just was really impressed with his like ability to have a very adult conversation and just how supportive he was of that. And I walked out of that office, like with my head held high, like I can do this. Like, you know, every, yeah. breastfeeding is hard at work. Being back at work is hard when you have a baby, but I just had this like surge of energy. And then I, I get to my desk. And I have an email from like our command who's not at Fort Campbell. Mm-hmm. And it says, you're going to Afghanistan in, in three months. So my daughter would have been six months old. I was supposed to deploy in September, which coincidentally, my husband was already scheduled to deploy. So he was going to go to Iraq. I was supposed to go to Afghanistan. And I like just deflated and I, I busted out laughing. Like that was like the only way I could respond to this. and. My coworker came out of his office was like right next to mine and he had been CC'd on the email too. And he said, so you got the email. And I just said, I'm not going. That was like the only thing I could think of. And he was like, I know you're not. So the rest of that day turned into like, how do we figure this out? And ultimately it was like, I, I just felt like I had the choice was stay in and continue to get like run over by the army and have my entire life and my kids' lives affected by this yeah, or resign, which in the army, you can't just like quit. You have to, yeah. you have to resign. And I luckily didn't owe any more time. I had completed my service obligation. Mm-hmm. I had no more time on my contract but you still have to be released. So I had to submit a request for resignation, which I was a little bit nervous about. I submitted it the next day and it was signed like two days later. And it was the biggest non-event ever. Like it was like, nobody cared that I served for eight years and volunteered for my second deployment and volunteered for all of the schools I went to. And yeah, all these things, like nobody cared. They were just like, okay, bye. We don't need you anymore. And there wasn't even like a thank you for your service. I just scooted out and it was very wow. an experience for me. Yeah. Sounds like it. God. So first what I noticed is like, you're talking about how your boss made all of the difference for you in the beginning, um, before this, you know, horrible email, but I've noticed that it's like a trend. Everyone that I talk to, the policies don't matter. 
It doesn't matter what rules or laws are in place. If your boss isn't supportive, your life still sucks. <laughs> you know, if they it's are not so going to have that uh, adult conversation and find out what you need, learn, you know, what schedule you need or if your space is available or, you know, make sure you have the things and the support. If your boss isn't willing to do that, none of the policies matter. Totally agree with you. Um, so yeah, that is definitely a theme that just comes up in literally almost every conversation I've had on this podcast so far. Yeah. Um, but then there's so many other, um, aspects you brought in, you know, military specific that I would have never considered. And it's awful that it was just like, okay, see you. Bye. I can't. Yeah. And so my husband's still in the military and I remind him a lot. Like he, so we're at like almost 15 years now Uh and. I tell him all the time, like when you leave at 20 years, 25 years, whenever you choose to, to retire, no one is going to care. No one. And that's like somewhat devastating, but also like you, you can turn it into an empowering thing. Like, yeah, you know, the way that you look at it. And at, at the time I didn't look at it that way. I looked at it as like, everything I've done in my adult life was for nothing. I'm nowhere. I, you know, I got my college degree. I went and I served and this is what I wanted to do forever. And here I am now, like I don't have a career anymore. And I I chose to stay home at that point because my, we were going to move like shortly thereafter I was pursuing Uh full-time employment. We also wanted to have another kid. By the time I looked at what that would look like between, you know, a nine hour day plus an hour commute each way, because I would have to work in Nashville, which is about an hour away. I'm like, when would I see my child? When would I see my husband? Furthermore, my husband was deploying. So yeah, how could I, no child, no daycare facility is going to watch my child for 11 hours a day. Yeah. And so anyway, I was like, to me, it was like, there wasn't a choice. Again, it was either this like ridiculous never see your child situation or Mm -hmm. stay home and spend every waking second or sleeping second with your child. And I felt like that was the only option. And so I said to myself, I'm going to, I'm going to sort of dive on this grenade and sacrifice myself for this time. And just, you know, when they go to school, get back to work. And it was a horrible, horrible, horrible time for me, for my mental health, for my sense of worth, for everything. And I, you know, just thinking about that time was terrible. And I was in the South. I was, I'm from New York originally, but I was living in Tennessee and I went from hanging out with all these military professional career oriented people who most didn't have kids yet. And then I became a stay-at-home mom and just started hanging out with all my neighbors who are stay-at-home moms and all of them wanted to homeschool. And, you know, they just, were very different mom than I was. And I felt inadequate because I did the idea of homeschooling was like torture to me. And <laughs> I like couldn't wait until they went, my kids went to school or kid at the time. But so anyway, yeah, I just, I, everything in my situation just made me feel like such an inadequate human yeah. being and, and a mom. And it was terrible. Yeah. And not have, not feeling like you had any choice. I'm sure. Yes. Kind of that started that, most- you know? The most frustrating part, I was so resentful of my husband when he would go to work and I was, I was resentful of everyone who got to go to work, who got to leave the house and do something. And I, yeah, yeah, it was hard. It was hard to, I was just mad. I was angry. I, I felt like I didn't choose my situation and I was just forced into it and it sucked. 
Yeah. I mean, that's a hard situation. Like being a stay at home mom full time is hard, even if you choose it. Yep. Um, totally. Like not getting a choice is a totally different, you know, dynamic to have to yep. deal with. And just it sounds like it was very kind of sudden for you. You got an email, you resigned, and then you were out like, I mean, what, a week within a week? Not it well. Like. It ta- I mean, it takes about it takes like six months to actually transition. Yeah, it took me five because I got out like right before Christmas. So it does take a while, but there's so many things that the army makes you do um, yeah. in order to get out. So it was totally a whirlwind. Um, I hardly yeah. remember. I did not process any of it. And then suddenly I got home. I, I'm out and I I like didn't know what to do with myself. It was it was yeah. such a significant shift. Yeah. And the decision had to happen. I mean, you made it that day, basically, right? It was like, well, you thought everything was good yeah. and fine. And then suddenly, no, I'm going to quit my job. <laughs> yeah. And and that's kind of, I always say like, it's a decision. It was a choice that wasn't ever a choice. And right. I, what I realized was like, this is just the beginning, like three days in, and this is what we're dealing with. It's not going to get any better. The army is yeah. going to continue to ask everything of me. And is this what I want for my family? And I knew that like, there's no way we do know some people who are like dual military, meaning both people are serving. Yeah. And it is a crappy life. Like one person's yeah. career has to take a back seat because that person has to be like primary caregiver, the person who goes to the school mm-hmm. when the kid, you know, just threw up or whatever. So I just was like, I would rather not do it than do it halfway. And to me at the time, I thought it was work full time and be away from the house all the time or stay at home. And, you know, luckily I've kind of figured out that there's way more options than that. Um, but it was, and you know, I was 30, I wasn't like a 23 year old mom. I was, I was an educated 30 year old who really didn't have a clue. And so I just see like these other other women. And I just wonder how much of an, how many options they have, you know? Yeah. Yeah. It feels sometimes like you don't have very many. Um, I'm kind of stuck in that having to make a choice decision right now. Um, we are probably pulling my kids out of daycare full-time soon. So I've had them at daycare every day while I work from home. And now we're going to pull them out because it's not flexible at all. There's no like part-time options and it's just a whole mess. So I'm basically going to be thrown into working at home with kids as well. Um, so, you know, we feel like there's not a lot of options. It's either continue paying like more than a mortgage for daycare and then not even taking them half the time or pull them out. And there's no other like, you know, in between. Yeah. So you know I definitely to... relate to that. Yeah. I have a lot of people who are in that same boat. And it's like that, that daycare could give another family the space you're not using and yeah. they just, they're not willing to put, it's just easier for them yeah. to take all your money when, you know, the wait list for daycare is like a mile long. It's, it's yeah. And that's, that's a whole, another aspect is I feel guilty for like taking a full-time position that someone who is not able to work from home or, you know, have any sort of flexibility like I do, like they could have that spot you know, but for my son's age at that daycare, they only offer full time because it's an official like pre-K curriculum and they want them there every day. So they don't miss curriculum, which I understand. But at the same time, like my husband's off on Thursdays and Fridays because he's law enforcement. So 
his schedule is totally not normal. You know, he works a lot of holidays. So we like we're having Thanksgiving dinner tonight on Tuesday instead of on Thursday, just because that's what fits the schedule. And so, you know, we need a more flexible option for childcare that fits with our life and they don't have any flexibility at all. So it's kind of all or nothing. (laughs) Yeah. It's such a shame. I, I mean, you're so many people have the same situation, you know, and unless you live near family, and your family is willing to help. There's yeah. no, there's no other like economical option that makes any sense. Yeah. So, I mean, like you said, we have to kind of jump on the grenade sometimes, I guess. Yeah. But I wish that there were more options out there and hopefully, you know, bringing awareness to it and to some of these issues will slowly create more options so that our daughters don't have to deal with this when they're our age. I know. I know. That's so devastating. Like, I just feel like my grandma had more rights than my daughters and it's not getting any better, but you know what I think is cool for you? Like you're in a position. I really learned this during COVID because I've always worked from home. I've always had like pretty part-time childcare and inconsistent Uh childcare because we've moved like moved five or six times since my yeah. littles have been born. So it is, it takes time to get childcare set up. And, um, but what I learned during COVID when everyone was suddenly at home with their screaming kids in the background is like, I, I would say to them, like, it's totally fine. This is normal. This is what I'm dealing with too. Yeah. And so you can like make that I've made my kids a part of my business and I've, my business is named after my kids. And if they're screaming at like, I'm no longer apologetic about it. Like if I I have a work call and my kids need me, I'm like, excuse me for just a minute. And I, you know, we'll, we'll attend to my kid. I'm not going to be like, go stand in the corner for 30 minutes while I do this. Like, yeah, they're just part of it. And, and very few people care. And so many people are like, I get it. Like my kids do the same as soon as I'm on the phone or whatever. And so you're in a position where you can like, show people what this looks like. Like, yeah, it's messy. It's crazy, but it's totally worth it. Yeah. I think it's becoming more normalized to have, you know, kids on calls and running around with no pants on in the background or whatever. (laughs) I know that's usually how it is here anyways. Yep. I get it. (laughs) My daughter's very anti-pants right now. (laughs) My kids are like completely anti-clothes period. So yeah. Well, Erin, it's been great chatting with you today. Uh, you mentioned you have a business. If people want to learn any more about you or get in touch with you, where can they find you? Yeah. So my business is BC Global Investments. So you can check my website out, bcglobalinvestments.com, or you can find me on Facebook, the Erin Helly, or Instagram. I'm the Erin Helly underscore investor coach. All right. And investing, I think you're real estate investing, right? Yeah, mostly real okay. estate investing and, you know, really helping people learn how to develop the build passive income and create the uh-huh. life that they want. Yeah. And have that flexibility that we were talking about. Yep. That's what it's all yeah. about. For me. Awesome. Well, thank you again for coming on and I'll make sure all of your links are in the show notes. If you enjoyed this episode, please be sure to leave a review or rating wherever you are listening and take a moment and share it with a friend. Uh, Be sure to find me on LinkedIn, Instagram, or at playgroundsandpaychecks.com as well. Until next time, take care.